Hello and welcome to episode 11 of the NFNL podcast for season 2021. I'm your host Samuel Zito and on this edition of the podcast we will be joined by several special guests. Among those, the coach of the Lowell Plenty men's football team, Ben Turner. His side at the weekend notching an 8th consecutive victory in MC Labor Division 2 ahead of a top of the table clash this Saturday when the Bears take on one of the other Bears in the competition, the undefeated Banyul, first versus second in MC Labor Division Division 2, perhaps a look ahead to what we see in the finals action. We'll also be joined by the netball manager of Montmorency Football Netball Club, Peter Gray. He'll give us an oversight into his side's program in 2021, fielding six sides on the netball court, including Montmorency 1, which currently sits first on the Section 2 table. We'll be talking to Lisa Roper, coach of the Fitzroy Stars women's football team, of course, in their inaugural season in the women's football competition in the NFNL this weekend is a big weekend for the Fitzroy Stars as we celebrate NADOC week and the Stars women's team playing on Saturday in a top-of-the-table clash in Mervac Division 3 women's when they come up against Banyul at 10am ahead of the senior men's action at Sir Douglas Nichols Oval. And we'll also be joined by Matt Sleeman, coach of Old Altham Collegians. He's side-notching three consecutive wins in Heidelberg Golf Club Division 3. They are now one game clear inside the top four ahead of a big run home as they look for their inaugural final space in the Northern Football Netball League. So sit back and enjoy the program ahead. You are listening to the NFNL Podcast. Now joining us on the NFNL Podcast is the coach of Laurel Plenty's senior men's football team, Ben Turner, at the weekend. His side recorded its eighth consecutive victory down in Thomastown by 32 points. Ben, uh, thank you for joining us on this week's edition at the weekend. Always a, a pretty tough challenge to head out to Thomastown and take them on the Main Street Reserve. It was a, an arm wrestle for three quarters and you were able to break away in the last. What did, what did you make of the effort? Yes, thanks uh, for having us, Samuel. Um it was certainly an arm wrestle. Um, we uh, we probably anticipated that uh, more than anything else going across. It's never an easy place to um, to play over at Thomastown, and our past history would suggest we've always um, found it really difficult. So um, yeah, just uh, obviously it's a game affected heavily by the the breeze and obviously blowing to one end. So it uh, sort of felt like a little bit of game of halves. And um, yeah, we obviously had the benefit of. Um, yeah, coming into the last quarter, uh, kicking with a with a bit of a breeze and and, and holding a lead. So um, it was uh, it was definitely a, a well fought out, hard hard fought win. As you say, the, the breeze certainly had an impact, and, and kicking to the the main street end was was where most of the goals were coming from. You had to kick into the breeze in the first quarter. You managed to, to kick a goal against the wind, but you were certainly under the pump for for most of that first term. Your, your defence was able to hold up, and that in turn gave you the chance to to take advantage in the second term when you were still well within touching distance. Yeah, we were. Yeah, we were really happy with um, how the defence stood up on the day. Um, uh, we've put. Uh, recently, we've put Darcy into defence um, uh, in Kieran Porter's absence, which has just uh, helped us with some leadership and just a cooler head down there. Um, and obviously, being able to hold up under the you know the weight of numbers that um, yeah the Tomstown was providing there. And it was actually when we got our stats out at quarter time, we we generated ten inside fifties ourselves. So we have, whilst we whilst we held up really well defensively, we we found a way to get the ball up inside our our half. Um, Numerous times, but um, yeah, obviously, and that one goal we did kick was pretty crucial, given that it was probably was the only goal at that end um, for the day. Yeah, that's uh, right. In the senior game, certainly. So, the uh, I guess the, the the lineup itself, you were missing a few of your your key contributors at the weekend, in particular Josh Turner. He's obviously um, well, heading into last week was was leading the coaches MVP was unavailable on Saturday, and hopefully he's back in the lineup uh, sooner rather than later. But does that make it uh, all the more special as well that you're able to, to win the game without some of your key players in that 22? It certainly does. Yeah, yeah. We've um, obviously uh, we've got quite a young group. Um, I think on the weekend we probably had five or six uh, under nineteens players out there, and then another handful that have sort of got only under twenty games of senior experience. So it's probably been our way this year. We've sort of been on a bit of a roller coaster in some games. We've we've certainly won eight in a row, which we really appreciate. We're really really comfortable with uh, where we stood there. But um, in, in games we've had uh, a lot of. Um, yeah, a lot of momentum shifts and swings. So, yeah, on the weekend was quite a younger group and it's, you know, probably allowed, you know, more guys to get um, a bit more game time in the centre. And I think, you know, someone like Ben Patterson, for instance, he really relished the, the time on ball 
um, as did his brother Sam, and um, and obviously bringing in a player like Luke Deslands to come in and do some defensive roles, um, you know, just just meant that we shared the workload a little bit, uh, knowing that Josh wasn't out there for us on Saturday. As it's been this year, I think you've only had three players play every game, so there has been, I guess, the, the need to, um, to, you know, I guess, move the magnets around on the whiteboard and, and whatnot. But you talk about the, I guess, younger players on the list. Was that something by design going into this campaign that you were really keen to do? Is is play the youngsters, or is it something that's been more forced upon you, just given circumstances? Uh, a little bit of both, I think, Samuel. Like um, we felt like we recruited on on the eve of twenty twenty really well, um, and then have it be just as the COVID sort of stuff broke um, last year, and then in, leading into this season, a couple of them didn't sort of come to fruition. So, without sort of having the opportunity to you know to go out there and recruit, we were you know obviously we were really comfortable with the the younger players coming in, and um, you know a number of them have taken the opportunity really well. You know I look at a player like Joel Leslie, who's in his first year of senior footy at the footy club, and um, albeit for one game that we forced him out to have a spell and have a rest, um, he's handled himself really well and obviously settling into to playing regular senior footy as a 17-year-old um, has been something that we probably didn't expect. Um, you know, and there's a couple of others that are, you know, young like Billy Reardon, for instance, in our back half. You know, again, another younger 19s player that... Uh, it's just sort of relished the opportunity to be playing senior footy on a regular basis. So uh, it's, I think it's just come about more naturally than something we really set out for. And, you know, obviously having a handful of experienced players um, has meant that some of the younger boys have, have probably learnt really quickly what, what's required at senior level. I guess with with your lineup as it is, you've got some of the I guess the stars of of the competition in in your team. Obviously, we talk of regularly the, the likes of Darcy Barden, Tom Keys, um, Josh Turner. But uh, at the weekend, I thought Tom Blake was outstanding in the ruck against Joel Carter, who was was best of field the week before. I mean, how important has he been for you, particularly going back to say 2019 when when you lost Paddy Flynn in the ruck? Of course, then at season end he he transferred out. But how important has it been to have someone like Tom Blake really take the reins in that that uh, that ruck post and I guess just be such a key contributor contributor to you throughout this campaign. Yep, massive. Um, yeah, obviously, you know, losing a player of the quality of Paddy Flynn, you know, captain of the club, um, wasn't easy. And um, obviously, having a, a player like Tom Blake uh, as a as a player that stood in and stood up um, with with losing Paddy um, has been enormous for the footy club. And yeah, we saw that in 2019. He learned a lot in 2019, rucking. You know, every week in Division One against high quality ruckmen, and then you know coming to the Division Two, he's he's um he's certainly one of the premier ruckmen in the comp, but he gets his work cut out for him every week. Yeah, just like Division One. You know, Carter on the weekend, um, really, I reckon he probably got older Tom first time around, so it was a big challenge for Tom to um to step up for us. We needed him to stand up, and um, he certainly did that, which was uh, which is really pleasing. Eight wins on the trot. You're sitting now outright second on the ladder with uh, a nice little cushion b- uh, between yourselves and, and third place Eltham, who who you're two wins ahead of and still have a game in hand as well. So um, I know it's a, a still a you know a good six weeks out from finals, but at this stage, looking quite good to secure the double chance. What have you made of of the season to to this point in time? Yeah, look, we've been really happy um, with where we stand at the moment. We um, obviously had a had a loss to. Um, Banyul in round two and, and obviously get a, another opportunity against them this weekend and um, the other games early in the, in the season uh, fell our way, obviously we played Eltham the following week after Banyul and, and, and got a really important win on that particular weekend and then followed it up with a win against Thomastown, so we knew our first four weeks of the season was going to um, sort of dictate where we were going to be placed in this division um, you know, against the, the, you know, the sides we would perceive to be top you know, four or five sides. So um, yeah, getting a couple of wins there probably you know, built the confidence and um, just probably gave us the, the little bit of momentum we needed. Um, and then obviously getting to that uh, that little break we had to have, um, you know, having not lost again since the Banyol game and then yeah, coming back out of that and starting to piece together some reasonable form. Um, yeah, putting ourselves in this position gives us an opportunity to... Um, yeah, prepare well for a final series coming up. Well, I guess no tougher challenge than taking on that undefeated side in Banyul. That comes up this weekend. You are at home this time around. Last time you fell just short. Uh, what do you make of the game coming up this weekend against a side which potentially you might be meeting later in the season in September? Ah, oh, it's a huge challenge. Yeah, it's terrific. Um, I think the timing of it is um, is perfect. Obviously, after the weekend's performance and you know, having the ability to um, to lift the level, I suppose, you know, from previous weeks up against the top three side and then, 
you know, now have the opportunity to play the, the benchmark of our division um, on our home ground this weekend is um, is exciting. And I think this is, you know, something that the players have been looking forward to as well, this particular block of games. So, um, you know, again, it's uh, it's not going to be... It uh, certainly won't be easy and it's, um, it's going to be a great challenge for us. And um, we welcome that because... Um, yeah, you know, it's, it's good to be playing against these sort of sides and, and trying to you know, test ourselves against um, the benchmarks. I know it was a long time ago since you last played Banyol back in round two, but if you look back at that game, I'm sure if you if you were told going into it, you'd keep them goalless in the second half and, and just the seven goals for the day, you, you probably think you'll you walk away with the points. As it turned out, it was a low-scoring game and you lose by less than two kicks, but how much do you look back at that game and, and, and can take away things as you head into this upcoming encounter this Saturday? Yeah, look, I, I'm, I'm sure from both sides there'd be there'd be plenty we take away from that particular contest. It, um, yeah, probably didn't promote itself to be a shootout or uh, or anything of the like. It was a hard grind, um, you know, in two halves really, where you know they jumped us and, and got out to a six goal lead in the second quarter. And then again, it was probably not even something we realised on the day. It was probably something when we reflected on the game that we we didn't realise that they hadn't scored a goal after after half time. Um, and for us, we we obviously had a fair bit of control of the ball in the second half, and um, yeah, their defence really stood up um, under the weight of numbers that we were getting in there. So again, it was a, a real defensive um, slog that particular day, and it was a it was a nice day. The sun was out, and it was a twilight fixture. So I was just, I don't, not really sure what the science behind it was, but it happened to be a real sort of arm wrestle. So um, who's to know what what we get this weekend? Um, again, both sides are probably keen to to have the match up and see the match up unfold. So. Um, Again, I hope, um, yeah, I hope from our perspective we can just acquit ourselves really well and and probably not have that, you know, that patch of, um, you know, momentum where they were able to kick six goals against us without us uh, getting one in between. We, you obviously come up against a, a colleague now in, in Paul Harris. I know it is school holidays now, but uh, do you shoot a cheeky text uh, at some point during the week ahead of what I'm sure is a uh, a game that both of you would enjoy winning, obviously for I guess the importance of the season, but also just for a bit of bragging rights once you get back to uh, back to work next week. Yes, well, they certainly carry the bragging rights at the moment, both he and Rick, so um, certainly one I'd like to get back if we could this weekend, so I'm sure it hasn't started yet, but I'm sure at some point this week, the uh, yeah, the cheeky little text messages and the the, uh, the little bit of innuendo we can get ourselves into will start, but um, yeah, look, it's terrific, isn't it? Just, um, you know, again, just work colleagues and, um, yeah, we obviously, we, we're good friends and, yeah, we get along really well, And but on Saturday, we'll... Um, We'll coach against each other, and hopefully, I can swing the table to a one-all rather than being two-nil down. Well, uh, Ben, again, well done on on the weekend's win over Thomas Ten. It is a, a massive game coming up this weekend. I'm sure everyone's looking forward to it. With first versus second on the MC Labor Division Two ladder, so we wish you the very best for that, and uh, and thank you for joining us on this week's edition of the NFL Podcast. Uh, it's a pleasure. Thanks for having me. At La Trobe University, you'll learn lessons that last your entire professional life. You'll be inspired by thought leaders, change makers, and brilliant minds. Teachers who are mentors too. Learn from experts, then become one. Learn the rules, then how to remake them. Discover your path to success and find your dream course at latrobe.edu.au. La Trobe University. All kinds of clever. Our next guest on the NFNL podcast is the coach of the Fitzroy Stars women's football team, Lisa Roper. Lisa, thank you for joining us. Obviously, it's been an exciting time on the football front for the Fitzroy Stars women's side. Their inaugural season this year and currently sitting top of the Mervac Division Three women's ladder. Um, what have you made of the campaign thus far? Yeah, it is um, certainly an exciting time down at the club and um, being top of the ladder, I think, is is um, a little bit of a bonus. You know, we've obviously gone out to stamp our um, authority, I guess, in a way, on the um, competition. And, you know, everyone always goes out to try and win the game, without a doubt, each week. And we've managed to um, win enough in a row to put us to the top of the ladder. So uh, we're stoked about it. We um, are under no um, illusion that there's any easy games any week at all. So, um, you know, at any time someone could knock us off, um, you know, and we have to be on our game. So we're, we're certainly stoked to be there and, you know, we put in some good work pre-COVID. Um, coming back from COVID has been a little bit challenging, but, uh, you know, like everyone, we it just takes a little bit to get back into the groove of things, I think. So, um, you know, we're looking forward to the rest of the season and um, hoping we can uh, hold our hold our spot. 
You take on you, you take on the second place side in in Banyul this weekend. Uh, the t- you two sides have been probably top two on the table for for the best part of uh, of four or five weeks now, and you get the opportunity this week to go head to head. I think you played back in the um, if memory serves me correct back in grading, and then missed the opportunity to play again during the COVID break. But obviously a big game this weekend, given the fact it is one versus two. Yes, certainly we, we did get the very first game of our life down here at Fitzroy Stars in the NFNL. And, um, you know, and they gave our girls a really good lesson on the field. They played some really good quality football. And, um, you know, and deservedly they went top of the ladder when, it, when you know, the ladders came through. And so we've, you know, continued to train and develop our squad. We've got a lot of girls that are brand new to football um, that have come from either basketball or netball backgrounds. And and then we've got a bunch that have played at like the Corey Carnival. So had a little bit of football life, but not a whole season of it. So for them, just learning how to look after their bodies week in, week out, it's been, um, been a good curve, um, you know, a good curveball for them. So it's um, it's been a solid season. We were really looking forward to playing Banyul the next game to see if we could get one back because um, um, we would have been at their home ground for that. But, um, yeah, COVID sort of stopped that in its tracks. And uh, so we've been looking forward to this game coming up. And it, it's going to be a special one. It's at our home ground and it's going to be uh, for NADOC. So it's going to be on Saturday instead of the Sunday. And, um, and in front of the boys matches, they play at 12 and 2 o'clock. So... We get the grass first. Well, obviously, it's a, it's a big game for, as you said, for for your team, given it's one v two and a massive occasion. Obviously, being NADOC week this weekend and playing at home at Sir Douglas Nichols Oval, um, in front of as you saw early in the day, but uh, on the same day as the, the senior men's side as well. So, obviously, expecting a, a pretty big crowd out there to uh, to support all three games. But um, from a from a club point of view, can you just, I guess, give us, I guess, some insight into the importance of of the occasion for for your club, given it's such a a special week. Um, being NADOC week. Yes, yeah, certainly it's um, you know it's it's an absolutely huge day for us, and when, I guess when we talk pre-season about any game throughout the year that you're going to you know pencil into your diary early on, it is always going to be the NADOC one, and you know for our football club it, it really is about community, and it is um, you know we're not an we're not a hundred percent indigenous team. Um, but certainly we are, I don't know if you have a measurement, 99.7. We've got one player who's, well, two players. We've got a Fijian um, and one English player in our team. So um, to have a team with so many girls that are with an Indigenous background and they connect to that club, they connect to the community, and that's, you know, why I think NADOC means so much more is that we get a chance to go out and we showcase a bit of our culture. So uh, the girls are going to do a little bit of performance pre-game uh, we've got one of the traditional owners who's going to come down and perform the welcome to country and the smoking ceremony for us. And um, it just sort of shows, I guess, that little bit special of the culture. Um, you know, it's one of the oldest living um, na- uh, cultures in the world. And it's just a really good chance to put it out there and show and especially, um, you know, to connect with your friends and, and for the older players to connect with their children or younger community. Uh, we've got elders that come down and speak and um, and then for those that are non from a non-indigenous background, here's a chance to come in and absorb, um, you know, this this culture of Australia and and see what it's about and learn some of the traditions and things and um, and you know our week our week building into this is important as well. So we've got three of our players will go down to Darabin Falcons and talk about the culture and the importance of NADOC down there. So they get to share. Um, you know what it means to them and they get to share the importance of the week as well as it's developing them as leaders in the community too so um, you know it's it's going to be a huge week and we get a good crowd and you know I know there's a bunch of special guests that are coming along on Saturday as well so um, you know it's going to be huge we're also going to be playing for um, a cup between the two clubs um, it's going to be called the Arnie Pat Austin Cup, who has been uh, a committee member, a board member um, uh, of the Fitzroy Stars Club for, I think, over 50 years. She's been involved in all levels of the club and she passed away a fortnight ago. So um, she's related to some of the girls in the team. And, um, you know, so it's been a, t- a challenging couple of weeks while we did Sorry Business. So um, we're going to go out there in, in the weekend and play in her honour and um, play for the inaugural Pat Austin Cup. So we're looking forward to that as well. Yeah, I uh, really appreciate that that background and obviously such a, a, an important uh, week on, on the calendar, but obviously for, for your club, such a, a big, big occasion, which I'm sure 
everyone's looking forward to. I guess given the the significance, and, and you mentioned there about having players going out and, and talking to other clubs and, and whatnot as well about the the indigenous culture and whatnot. But from a from a coaching point of view, and especially given it is this year that the club's inaugural team from a women's football front. Do you, I mean, where's, what's the, the balance like in terms of the importance of winning a game of football, but then I guess the greater meeting in terms of developing players both on the field and off the field, I guess it's a, it's a juggling act there. Um, yeah, I, I guess it's probably not so much juggling as that we've actually just really found a really good balance. So, um, you know, we've we've obviously um, playing under these colours, I think, is really important that we acknowledge the history and, you know, the footsteps in which we walk. So, you know, each time we run out into the field, if, especially at home, there's um, a little um, banner inside that we just sort of tap and we acknowledge that, you know, um, um, Uncle Alf Bamblet, it's his face on the wall and it's a quote from him. So we all sort of touch and we know what we're playing for. So we're not playing for just ourselves and our family. It's a bigger, wider community and the elders that came before us. And um, and, and each of our training sessions, we start with a yarn circle. So it's a chance for um, the girls to just share their stories. And, you know, we might have some different themes around that. But storytelling is just a huge part of sharing culture. So um, we absolutely adopt that each week. And, um, and then each of our games with um, all the our opponents have stood with us as we're acknowledged country. So, um, so it's been fantastic way to, to um, I guess, co-join culture with football. And, um, and, you know, along the way, the girls set a goal at the beginning of the year of what they wanted to achieve out of the season. So I just think, you know, as part of this club, we can share culture and we can play football and we can blend the two together and, you know, keep developing and put it on a higher, higher step every time we walk onto the field. So, um, yeah, so it's been, it's been fantastic and, um, you know, I feel very privileged to be a part of that. From a, a playing point of view, um a couple of players who have been really prominent throughout the, the opening uh, probably two-thirds of the year in, in Val Kelly Briggs and, and Leah Sito. Can you just, for those listening in, just give us, I guess, a bit of a uh, an understanding as to the, the way they go about playing their football because regularly they've been seen as the, the best players uh, for the team and, and probably really well in the, the coach's MVP award as well. But uh, what sets them apart and, and has them leading from the front? Yeah, I think um, they're just a couple of just phenomenal athletes, really. Both are from a uh, netball background and not played football, so they're very new at the game, but they've just picked it up, and you know, each week they learn a little bit more of what they can do on the footy field and a little bit more around how football works and decision-making, those kind of things. Um, Leah is from Fiji. She's played a little bit of rugby, and she's been playing ruck for us, so um, she's got a tremendous leap. She usually plays goalkeeper for netball, so a similar kind of um, leap and defensive way where she gets your hand up um, to reach the ball. Uh, she's probably going to be away next week or this week, so <laughs> it's a bit of a challenge there, but, um, you know, but having said that, we don't rely on one or two single players. We sort of have a whole team that contributes each week, and um, Val's another one. She's um, She's got a very good run and carry, and if we get the ball into her hands, and um, she's worked out how to get out of the contest and um, and get the run away, and, and every week her kick is improving, so um, you know it's really good for our forwards to get a really good um, feed of the ball coming into that forward 50 entry. You've, you've previously been uh, involved in the coaching uh, structure at, at Darabin, and I know you've got a, uh, a role now with Collingwood's VFLW side as well, but what was it that uh, I guess um, saw you put your hand up and, and, and coach the, the Stars this year, given it was their inaugural season, it was going to be a year of development, but what was it that attracted you to the role? Um, I'm really not sure. I was just drawn to this club and um, maybe, you know, it is around the culture and the community feeling of the club. Um, I actually applied for the job last season and um, was appointed then. And we had a few training sessions before COVID stopped us then. So um, so it's really good that they got me back this year and um, and I was still in Melbourne to do it because I'm actually from Sydney. So just down here doing a bit of footy coaching is, is what I'm doing. So um, something just drew me to Fitzroy and drew, drew me to what we could achieve um, both as footballers, but um, as in sharing culture as well. Um, I'm from a Maori background, so I just think if I was at a, you know, in New Zealand, we'd be sharing our culture, and you know, I tell the girls, if, you know, when we play games, we'd go out there and we'd do a hakara for a special match. So, um, you know, so I, I don't think there's any reason why they shouldn't be sharing their culture here when they play football. So that's part of, um, I guess, our motivation and 
getting that balance around each week. And just one final one. Uh, you, you've probably got a bit of a, a, a bit of a, a juggling act uh, yourself on on Saturday, given the fact all this weekend with with your, your stars commitments, but also the Collingwood VFLW side uh, playing in a, a semi final as well. It's a, it's a busy week for you on the football front. It is. It's a very busy week. I'm actually supposed to be away with the Vic Metro team. Um, our carnival was called off early in the season because of COVID. And then uh, they tried to reschedule that. And then that was when we went into our two-week lockdown. And so this is our third attempt to get up to Queensland and play them. And this is really just a chance for the next lot of, you know, the um, draftees putting their hand up to get picked for um, AFLW Season 6. So uh, it'd be good to get the getaway with the girls. But having said that, a lot of them are now playing in the V or have been playing in the VFLW program. So most recruiters have seen them and seen what they can do. So... Um, you know, if if it, if COVID does stop us, because obviously north of the border there's a lot of challenges. Absolutely, uh, I'm I'm happy to stay down here. But if I'm not here at the NADOC game, our senior men's coach and he's going to step into the role, and he's happy to work with the girls, and he knows a lot of the girls, and he's got a huge coaching background as as well as being just a huge member of the club here. So. Um, you know, so it'd be great even for him to step in and lead the girls on, on such a special occasion as well. Well, uh, good luck with everything for, for this weekend as well. Certainly got a busy time coming up for yourself, but uh, really appreciate you joining us. It's been great to see uh, the way the girls have, have really adapted uh, so quickly at, uh, in, in the women's football front and, and great to have them atop the ladder ahead of what's shaping as a, a really exciting game this coming weekend. So thank you for your time and uh, good luck for this weekend and, and for the remainder of the season ahead. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you for your time too. Now joining us on the NFNL podcast is the coach of Old Altham Collegians who at the weekend added another win to their name to move a game and percentage inside the Heidelberg Golf Club Division 3 Top 4. Matt, thank you for joining us. The side's certainly on a roll since we returned from the COVID break and uh, with three straight wins you've now moved four points clear in fourth spot on the ladder. I'd imagine it's uh, it's an exciting time for everyone involved in the club. Yeah, thanks for having me, Sam. Yeah, it's a really exciting time. It's our first time in the four in the club's history in the Northern Footy League. Um, so, yeah, we've had a good three weeks and really excited about the you know next few games ahead of us. Three wins on the trot. It's uh, for a side that's, that came across to the league having uh, probably battled the, in the in the latter stages in, in the time over in the, the VAFA and, and obviously coming across last year or in 2019, it was always going to be about just finding your feet in a new competition. But to now, you know, notch three wins in succession and, and really building some momentum, I'd imagine it's uh, probably something that everyone was really hoping for when you first made the switch across to, to this competition. Yeah, look, uh, 2019 was my first year at the club, um, helping out, and the year before in 2018 when they were in the VAFA, there was, you know, there was 30 blokes that played two games a week every week to just to fill a side. So, you know, to be a few, few years on from that and, you know, be a competitive force in the Northern Footy Leagues, you know, it's a great, great thing the club's been able to do. To win three in a row as well, I imagine it's something that uh, hasn't pr- probably happened too, too regularly for the, for the club as well, so that must be nice to tick off that achievement. Yeah, absolutely, and we're hoping to turn that into four or five in a row. You've got, uh, when we look at, uh, I guess, the, the way that the, the season's unfolded, and of course we had the, the COVID break, which I might touch on first, I mean, how hard was that for, I guess, for, ev- for everyone within the, the four walls to, you know, have that time off and, and uh, I guess, regroup? It, it seems that whatever you've done has worked quite well to, to come back out of it, and in, in the space of three weeks, not three wins, to go from, uh, you know, fifth place on the ladder more than a game outside to, to now being that, uh, that one game cushion inside the top four. But, but what did you, what did you do? during the break to, to be able to, to ensure that when you got back you were you were cherry ripe and, and ready to go? Yeah, look, we, we didn't put too much pressure on the playing group. We we did um, ask them just to post what they were doing just so there was a, you know, a bit of a record and just to keep tabs on each other just to see who was doing, you know, training. You know, we asked them to keep their hands on the footy mainly and, and do a bit of running, but, we you know, not, not a hell of a lot. Um, you know, we weren't sure on how long we we're going to, you know, been locked down for how long the break was going to go for so we just asked them to do something um you know and it was you know weird obviously again not playing footy but you know most folks seemed to come back and we actually had a few guys from our senior squad that you know i'd sort of mentioned to before the break that they were probably you know carrying a little bit of weight or you know needed to work on their fitness a little and and the the break was really good for us because you know a few of our senior players actually came back fitter and stronger and you know, they're reaping the rewards right now. 
At the weekend, it was a, a really big win over Lalo, uh booting 16 goals to three. I know that they are um, you know, below you on the ladder, and it was a game you were certainly expected to win, but, but your last trip out to, to Lalo Reserve earlier, earlier in the year, you, you'd only just scraped over the line to, to win that one by uh, just over a kick. So I guess if we were to, to, to compare those two performances to one another, it, it really goes to show just how far the side's come, probably in the space of the last two to two to three months. Yeah, I said to the playing group after the game that I really felt like the win against Laylaw on the weekend was, you know, it was, it was kind of a, a statement. Um, you know, we obviously only just limped across the line last time and we really looked like a side that was, you know, destined to be top four at the end of the year. So to be able to do that, it was pretty emphatic, I thought. We were um, we were pretty good all day. You know, struggled a little bit in the first quarter with the win, but, you know, from quarter time onwards, we were, you know, pretty good in our performance. If you had to, I guess, highlight a, a few players who you've been most impressed with uh, to this point in the campaign, who would be those that uh, you've seen as, as really leading the way in this campaign? In, in our side? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. pretty much anyone from the back six at the minute, or back seven. Um, our, yeah, our back line's our real strength, and, you know, guys like Fitzgerald and um, Tommy O'Neill, Timmy Ellis, you know, Robinson... Every all of them, all, everyone in our back line, Booth, you know, it's just so strong. We had Clay Crimmins out on the weekend, but um, we had Stewie Enright come up from the twos and come into the back line. Like, we've just, the back seven, you know, and eight and nine, if you count the blokes that are playing twos at the minute, like, we've just got real depth. And it's our real strength at the minute. Well, it actually led me to the next question because it's only been 10 goals conceded in the last three games. And I was going to ask if it had been one of the, the real focus areas in terms of just locking down uh, to ensure you get results. But it's obviously the work you're putting in is obviously, uh, you know, you're reaping the rewards when it gets to Saturday, given the fact you haven't conceded more than five goals in a game um, since, uh, since we got back from the COVID break. Yeah, it's funny because we're, as I said, our back line's our strength, but it's not. I don't feel like we play a really defensive game. We're, um, I think we're quite an attacking side. So, you know, yes, the results show that we're we're keeping scores to uh, keeping keeping teams to low scores, but it's probably more about how we're, um, you know, keeping the ball inside our fifty. You know, we're, we're keeping sides to low scores. We're we're starting to kick bigger scores. Yes, our draws been favourable, and we've obviously played the three sides below us. But I'm I'm really confident that's sort of a our brand now, and you know, I'm. I'm Excited to see how it stacks up against, you know, another top four side this week. Well, you've got, uh, I mean, a really tough draw from, from here on in and, and you're going to have to be certainly at your best uh, given the, the sides that you fixed to play over the uh, the remainder of the season. It starts this week with uh, a home game against Kilmore. You then back up um, to take on Heidelberg West, who, who's obviously the side that's vying for that fourth spot against you. And I guess as a whole, when you look at the, the final six rounds of the season, five, five of those games are against sides which are currently placed above you in the ladder in the top three. So if you are to, to play finals this year, Certainly, those next six weeks are going to determine that. But you're going to have to be your absolute best. Where finals almost come early, given the fact that you are taking on such a, a pretty tough fixture in the final six weeks. Yeah, look, we we probably see most games as a you know either a do or die or a challenge for us. Where um you know if like like you said, if we're going to play finals, we've got to beat these sides now. So you know the finals campaigns in our destiny. If we um. You know, if we're able to beat Kilmore, if we're able to beat Heidelberg West, well, you know, we're probably probably looking at playing finals this year. So, you know, if if we don't beat them, and you know, we sort of limp into the finals because of results go our way, well, you know, it's probably not the right way to get there anyway. So, yeah, destiny's in our hands, and you know, hopefully, get the next two weeks done, and you know, we're iron off that fourth or fifth, sorry, third or fourth spot for the finals. As it currently stands, you haven't beaten any of those sides who are in the top four along with you, but in your past three games against each of them, you've been right in the hunt. Early in the year, you took on South Rank, lost it by five goals, but the scoreboard at the end of the day certainly didn't reflect, I guess, the closeness of the game. You pushed Lorimer for a very long way and led at Lorimer Reserve, and so too when you travelled out to Kilmore, I guess, the week before the extended break. So, I know you didn't get those results in those last three games, but does the way you played in, in those matches give you confidence that, you know, just by doing a few things a little bit better that you might be able to, to flip the result and, and, and get those wins? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, the first half of the season, we're, we're still a really new group to each other. Like, 
we've recruited different players again. Um, and we've got younger guys in the side. We've, we had guys come back that haven't played footy for a while. Um, you know, there's probably six or seven new faces in the side this year than, than two years ago. And, you know, not knowing where they're best suited for the side, you know, it's sort of, it's, it took time. Um, but I'm really confident now that we've got everyone playing in the right spot and we know exactly what they're capable of and everyone's really just playing to their strength. Um, I, I don't think we've got a, a weak link. Um, we've had multiple goal, goal scorers over the last few weeks. Um, and I think it's more about, you know, it's not so much the, the side has improved, but it's more about we just know where everyone needs to be and, and they're just doing their role in, in whatever, whatever position they're in. And one final one, I mean, you mentioned obviously still a relatively new group in, in that regard, but, but for you as a coach, first time senior coach and, and you take on a gig and as soon as you get that, we have a season that's cancelled due to due to COVID and, and now coming out on, on the other side of things where we've had uh, some disruptions on the way, obviously even this year as well, but what's it been like for you given it is your, your first senior coaching appointment and uh, you have the added, uh, I guess, responsibility of, of leading your club through what has been a, a global, a global pa- pandemic? Yeah, look, one of the other assistants at the club sort of said to me a few weeks back, you know, I feel sorry for you. First, you know, first job as senior coach, and this is what you've had to deal with across two years. But you know, just everyone's doing the same thing. We're all dealing with the same situation, so um, you know, it's, it's still exciting. I'm, I'm happy for the challenge, and you know, yeah, it would have been nice just to have eased into my first year last year and had a normal season, but it wasn't that way. And you know, we've had another year to sort of plan and recruit a few more players and you know I really think we're in good stead for the remainder of this season well uh, it's been great to see the way the sides come back from the break to, to notch those three wins in, in, in red hot form uh, coming into this week's game against Kilmore certainly will be a, an entertaining one and particularly also the week after against Heidelberg West so good luck uh, for the next couple and uh, and obviously in, in the run into finals as well we wish you the very best of luck and really appreciate you joining us on the NFNL podcast no, I appreciate it Sam thanks very much for your time The Meadows Conference and Events Centre offers a range of conference opportunities for your next event. Whether it be an end-of-year work party, the next conference, or even a funeral or wake, The Meadows can host any event. To find out more info, head to themeadowsevents.com.au. Our next guest on the NFNL podcast is the netball manager of the Montmorency Football Netball Club, Peter Gray. Peter, thank you for joining us on this week's edition of the podcast. Obviously, you've been someone who's been heavily involved with the uh, with Montmorency for, for quite some time now, uh, more, more recently, particularly on the netball front as well. And going back to Friday night, you are also serving as coach of the Montmorency one side, had a, a pretty enthralling game against Bandura one to maintain first spot on the Section 2 ladder, I guess from a, a personal note, what did you make of, of that win? I'd imagine it was pretty enthralling given the way the game played out. Hello, Samuel. Thank you for having me on the NFNL podcast. I'm an avid listener and uh, I'm delighted to be on here. So thank you and appreciate the work you and the NFNL media team do. It's, it's terrific. Um, and thanks for the kind words about Friday night. Um, it, was, it was a very... Um, it was an entertaining game of netball, as most of the most of them are. The um, the Bandura girls have got a terrific uh, rivalry with, with rivalry with those girls. They um, always have a close game with us, and, and Friday night was no exception. And um, it was just nice that the Magpies just had their nose in front when the when time ran out, which was great. And um, it's interesting we played the same team in the first round of grading. I think we beat them by two goals that night as well in another thrilling game. So, yeah, it was a, it was a nice game to be part of. It was great to have a, a lot of support there. And uh, of course, I was happy that when the uh, game finished, we just had a nose in front at the end. But yeah, a nice, exciting game of netball. Your side was down by six at half time, down still by five early in the last. I mean, what do you what do you put the uh, the win down to in the end to, to be able to overcome the odds on the scoreboard to, to get over the line by three goals? Oh, Samuel, I, I, it's, it's a tough one. Um, a couple of a couple of uh, breaks went our way. The the Magpie players are kept at it. You know, defence is an important component of of all our teams at Montmorency, it's one thing we we do try and focus on is to be disciplined and and defend well. And and sometimes uh, what can happen, not saying it happened in this game, but what can happen sometimes if uh, you can build enough pressure over the course of 
you know, a quarter or a match. You know, the game can open up late when, um, when possibly, you know, uh, some fatigue sets in for, for either team or perhaps there might be, um, you know, some opportunities that are maximised. I think, in fairness to Bandu, they might have had a couple of players out there on Friday night and I think they had a pretty limited limited rotation where we were fortunate we, um, we had a bit more rotations there. So maybe in the last quarter, Samuel, that, that could have played a role too, I think. The club as a whole, you obviously really heavily involved with the, the netball program. You, you'd been previously involved with the, the junior football club as, as junior president, and uh, I know you still do a lot of work with the, the women's football team as well, but from a, a netball perspective, you've been involved for, I think, the, over a decade now, and how have you just seen, I guess, the, the growth of, of the club on a netball front to now be able to field, I think it's six teams in the winter competition? I, I know you, you're obviously a club that really gets heavily involved in the summer competition as well, but... Uh, from from your end, uh, how have you seen the the journey of the Nepal Club uh, when we talk Montmorency Football Nepal Club? Um, thank you for that question, Samuel, and it's a good question. Um, and thank you um, for those words. So, in a lot of ways, uh, at Montmorency, our growth of our netball program has mirrored the growth of the NFNL netball program. Um, we we've really uh, been very fortunate with the quality of players we've had, and, and, and Samuel, that's the that's the key to why our netball program and also our women's footy program has been so successful. Is that you know the um, the people involved, the players, especially on the netball side of things, they they bring a certain level of you know um, what's the right word to use here? They, they, they set their own level, make their own mark for how players behave and what they expect from. Um, people in the club and they do it very, very well and, you know, we've never had, in netball, we've never had a player uh, reported or sent off in, in all my time with it, um, which is which is something we're very happy with. We try and, you know, ensure that we um, always carry ourselves with distinction, you know, you can't always go your way, but, but win, lose or draw, we always make an effort to, to carry ourselves well and also represent the league and ourselves well. Um, the growth of the NFNL has been been tremendous um, since I started a long time ago when, when my daughter was uh, was still in about year 11, I think, uh, maybe about 11 seasons ago. And um, since then, I've seen the league really grow because of um, the excellent administration of the NFNL. I think the way that the rivalries transcend from footy into netball, it's good, healthy stuff. Like, you know, it, it really means you've got a meaningful game every Friday night, whether uh, I'm involved in, or we've got teams from Section 2 where it's exceptionally high standard down to Section 13. And obviously the girls in Section 2 are sharper and the, and the ball moves quicker and it's a higher skill, but you rest assured, Samuel, that at Section 13, you know, the players are still there for a competitive game of netball on a Friday night. There's no, um, there's still a heavy equipment from the teams there. They train. Uh, they they want to be successful, um, you know. They bring the same attitude, and that's what makes the league so healthy, in my opinion. Uh, the grading's always very good. It means that you've got a competitive game every Friday night, and it ensures that um, if you want to play netball, probably stepping up from social a little bit in an environment, a club environment where you've got a good competitive game, the NFL really ticks that box. I think that the new facilities at the Trobe Uni have been tremendous for the growth of the, the league. Um, often when a new new player will come into our program, um, a bit, little unfamiliar with the league, I'll often ask them after a game or two how they rate the standard or the section that they're in compared to where they've come to. And nearly every time, Samuel, Samuel they're surprised that the uh, the section level, the number's a bit, a bit higher than they thought it was. And... Um, and that's always a good thing, I think, to see such deep competition right throughout the league. How do you go from a front of, I guess, recruitment and retention as you get to the end of each season, whether it be winter or summer? Obviously, from a football perspective, clubs know going into a campaign where they're going to sit in the uh, in the scheme of things as to which division they'll play. Netball, obviously, it's a bit different given we have grading. But in terms of when you are, I guess, uh, you know, out there and, and trying to recruit and, and find players, how do you go in, in that regard given the fact that you don't quite know exactly where you're going to be playing until you get into about uh, four rounds into the season? Does it become an issue or is it something that actually creates, uh, gives you more opportunity given the fact that players can actually find their level? 
Good question, Samuel. Firstly, for retention for our club, I'm, I'm delighted that we've got four players at the club now, netball that have played more than 100 games. Um, three of those girls have come through since, well, since about year nine or year ten when we first started with one, with one team. Um, and, you know, our retention of players is extraordinary. I look at um, the way they commit to the club and the way that they bring a great attitude, and that's what we want of our club. Um, we really work on a bit of a squad mentality so that, um, you know, there's um, good camaraderie and there's good um, connection between all people in the program. And, of course, players change teams from, from year to year. It might be some, uh, you know, we had a few injuries this year that mean a bit of, bit of cutting and pasting or it might just be that somebody um, develops a bit more than what they wanted to be. Perhaps someone can't commit as much to the seasons and maybe go down a grade or two, but... In terms of how the structure of retention, Samuel, that's that's a that's a strength of our club. In truth, we we actually had to, we've limited how many teams we can have because we are a bit restrained by by training facilities and also by um, by a few resources. And obviously, the more you have, the, the bit more management involved. But um, overall, we we to be honest, we we have a lot of uh, a lot of new players always contact us that want to come and play at the club, and we try and accommodate them. We all but sometimes it can be a bit tricky. In terms of speaking of, of tricky, obviously this year we is uh, I guess always a challenge given the, the COVID situation. We obviously had the extended break, uh, you know, for almost a month from from the netball courts. The return saw um, obviously sections nine to thirteen play, but without crowds. Thankfully, the last two weeks we've been able to get back to some normality. But how hard's it been from I guess a, a club administrator perspective, but also someone coaching players to just keep them um, I guess motivated, just given that there was was that uncertainty for a period of time as to um, where the situation stood because of uh, that, that most recent outbreak of COVID going back about six weeks now? Um, Samuel, the, the players are, are fairly well motivated. They love their netball. Um, they enjoy playing with each other in the club as generally. As do all the clubs we play against. That's the thing. Like, you know, I think that motivation comes from within. Um, yeah, it was a bit of a pain, but we had... We had the experience in summer where we had uh, a fair bit of well, basically we had no crowds for, for all of summer, so there was some um, there was some acceptance of that's how it was. But attitude was good. I think the the irony was the first training night back we were allowed to train. We weren't allowed to train indoors, and we normally train it in, indoors at, at Saint Helena. So community sport couldn't train indoors. So we trained outside first time for a long, long time since juniors. And it was it was a little bit chilly, um, and we had a record number of players turn up to training and coaches. And I thought yeah, that's a that's a really good reflection of how hungry the girls are to get back into competition and um, you know really really have a crack. And it was it was really really admirable by all the all the players and coaches. And Peter, I could imagine uh, to to be able to run such a, a successful program, it, it does also rely on, on plenty of support from uh, from others around the club as well. I guess there's uh, there's plenty of people that uh, the club leans on to be able to ensure you can get your players on the field every Friday night. Yes, I mean we're, I mean, we're very fortunate at Montmorency. We've got a terrific group of uh, of leaders amongst the netball program who commit themselves, you know, volunteer their time and effort to. The betterment of the program, you know, players that coach and play as well. Um, you know, the leadership from all our senior players is is very good, and uh, it's a big part of why the culture at Montmorency uh, netball program is so good, and why we always manage to attract and, and retain such, you know, really not just good players but good people in the club that bring a great uh, degree of integrity, I guess, and and conduct themselves in the way that we want to do that and it's a credit to the leaders of the club. Also, we're very fortunate, Samuel, we're very well resourced at Montmorency with our senior female program, both our very strong women's footy program, which is the largest integrated women's footy uh, program in Australia, and also our, our really booming netball program, which was capped at six teams. And we really like to thank our sponsors who really contribute a lot in that area. And in particular, we have... Uh, some great long-term sponsors like Perth Tech are great supporters of ours, Arrow, great supporters, EI Engineering are terrific, uh, Stopline are tremendous, and, and Simcat. And these sponsors, you know, they give they give very generously, generously to our program and 
one of the big impediments with female sport is to get resources and sponsorship and get you know the the same opportunity for females to play and thanks to our very generous supporters um, that's one area we can do well and I think that helps a lot with uh, with just ensuring you know, the training facilities are good and we've got adequate resources to do extra special things. And just one, one final one, not to want to focus too much just on one team, but uh, we talked about the, the ones who are now top of the Section 2 ladder. They had the, the win over Bundura at the weekend. It doesn't get uh, too much easier this coming Friday. I believe it's Ivanhoe who currently sit in third place. Obviously, another great challenge uh, for, for the side heading in against a, a side that's potentially uh, going to be a, a fellow finalist when we get towards the end of the season, albeit there's still plenty of time to go. Now, Samuel, that's a good question, but I, I think we might be getting a little ahead of ourselves. You look at the ladder for section two, you'll notice it's very, very, very tight. Mm. So, uh, and we have had a, um, a reasonably easy draw. We've played uh, one of the, well, actually the bottom team a, a couple of times and we played another team which came up from grading already. So um, we shouldn't get too far ahead of ourselves. And as I said, the ladder is extremely tight. And that's a, that's a reflection on the excellent grading competition in the NFNL. But to answer your question, of course, um, look forward to every Friday night. I know Ivanhoe are a very strong team. Uh, they've had some very strong results since there's been a bit of uh, uh, a bit after grading. It looks like they've had some strong results, and I think they will be uh, another strong competitor for us this Friday night. And um, you know, we probably don't want to get quite so far behind this Friday at some stage. <laughs> I think we might. We- we might be in trouble. <laughs> well, uh, good luck with that game there. And I uh, really appreciate you, you joining us uh, on this week's edition of the podcast. So good luck for Friday and the uh, remainder of the season. We'll uh, certainly be keeping in touch and uh, really appreciate your time. Thank you, Samuel. Thanks very much. And keep the good work up with the NFNL media team. It's fantastic.